0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Strip Search, the comic strip podcast. You are tuning in to me, Pete Chianka, and my co-host, Dave London. Hi, Dave. Hey, Pete. How are you this week? I am doing really well, thanks. Are you? Oh, I am, actually. You don't look so good. Well. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You look you look as good as always, Dave. <laughs> um, <laughs> we are here um, recording our, our May uh, podcast. As you may know, in April, we were... Live at the Boston Kids Comic Fest in Jamaica Plain, which was uh, just a tremendous event. It was like uh, tons of people, ton of fun. Uh, please go back and listen to our podcast that we recorded there if you haven't had a chance yet um, to see what that was all about. Although I'd, I can't remember the last time I was in Jamaica Plain. If you're in the Boston area, um, you know that Jamaica Plain is near nothing. <laughs> it is very hard to get in and out if, of
1: Jamaica Plain. If I didn't have Google Maps, I'm not sure I would have. Been I would able to still locate, be there. Yeah.
0: It was insane, but uh that didn't stop them from getting a, a great turnout. So congrats to them um on putting that together because it really, it really was something. And, and thanks to them for letting us take part in it. We really, really enjoyed it. Um And now we're back to our regular format. We're going to have um in a few minutes, Jen Lopez is joining us. Not Jennifer Lopez, the singer. Even better, Jen Lopez, the cartoonist who draws By the Yard, a, a hilarious uh comic panel that we're going to talk about with her. Uh, but but Ben Affleck will be here. yes yeah, so <laughs> he's under the desk right now he's Batman he's not really Batman no that's Michael Keaton yes definitely um and uh we did want to mention though that there's a new issue out of comic strip cartoonist magazine
1: I, I have it right here I'm holding it in my hand issue number seven which I just got I'm a subscriber as well I love comic strip cartoonist magazine for those of you out there who have not yet signed up, we uh, highly urge you to do it. The link is on our website, It It's a, both a digital and a uh, paper format, depending on how you want to do it. And I uh, highly recommend you check it out and hopefully subscribe. Paper, you say? Well, it, it's this thing that used to come from trees, and you know. yeah,
0: it sounds vaguely familiar. Right. Yes, I see. Snuffy Smith is on the cover. You cannot go wrong with a with a Snuffy Smith cover.
1: Absolutely, as well as a visit to the Charles Schultz Museum, which I haven't been there yet, but I I would, I would love me. to go. We we should go maybe after the show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> see,
0: I don't know if I have enough gas. <laughs> um. So we uh, are really excited about our conversation with Jen, and we want to get into that. So uh, after this quick break, we will be back with her. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, we're back at Strip Search, the comic strip podcast with our special guest for today. We're really excited um, to have Jen Lopez in, who's going to talk to us about, uh, well, she's done a few different strips over, over the years, and she has one um, that's going right now called By the Yard, which is a hilarious panel about um, a um, the protagonist, I guess. I'm not going to say it's you, but I think we might find out it is you, um, who is an, an avid uh, quilter. And her boyfriend, who is an avid uh, model train—I sort of guess—collector and builder—and um, which is such a specific thing, <laughs> and, it is, and yet it works. Uh, so welcome, Jen.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me here today.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure. And um, it, so I guess that's that's my initial question off the bat. It's it is such a, a sort of specific topic, but it seems to have really resonated with people.
2: Well, the idea came about because I was looking to get a new strip started. I used to uh, do a comic strip called Biz Tunes years ago about um, business humor. But um I had recently met this individual who was really interested in trains. And you would think that trains and quilts are really different. But we found out that we were so much alike, such as, you know, hogging uh, supplies and, like, <laughs> buying way too much stuff and then, like, having your whole house covered with your hobby stuff. So we just – Realized that there was so much in common and and a lot of funny things were happening in real life, so I started drawing them up. and And uh, you'd actually be surprised how many quilt geek train <laughs> nerd combos there are out there. Really? Yes.
0: That's so funny. Well, I guess yeah, it's it's something about you know having a hobby and being really obsessive about it.
2: Yeah, it's more like an obsessed hobbyist thing. <laughs> it doesn't really matter what the hobby is, really.
0: And you've heard from now. Where Where do you um? It's posted on your website, and is that where most people find it?
2: Well, actually, my, the, we have, um, the, it's hosted at Mm bytheyardcomics.com, but most of the readership comes from Facebook because I, as a hobbyist, I belong to quilting Facebook groups, knitting Facebook groups, and, and then, of course, my boyfriend belongs to lots of trained (laughs) ones, and so I, I post them on the different groups. And, you know, you get tens of thousands of views every week from these people and they share like crazy. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, the reason why I know there's a lot of quilter train geek combos is like you post on the train group and make a quilt joke and they'll say like, haha, that's my wife. Or <laughs> you post it on the quilt group and make a train joke and they'll be like, oh, that's my <laughs> husband. So there's, there's, I think what it is is that hobby geeks tend to attract each other. Mm-hmm. Because they both have similar obsessive personality types.
0: Yeah, that makes complete sense. Um, And so, what types of comments do you get from from the people? You know, obviously they they can relate to it. Um, You know, what else are they saying saying on the Facebook pages when you go to to look at what uh, you know what feedback you're getting?
2: Well, the most common themes are things like. hoarding supplies, you know, like the whole house covered in supplies, hiding supplies and hiding your purchases from your spouse. And one of our first <laughs> jokes was about um, the the train geek and the quilt girl are in the quilt shop. And this joke actually happened where the girl was going to buy some fabric. And I was always trying not to buy too much fabric. And I was going to buy a yard. And he goes, oh, come on, that's not enough. You need to buy the whole bolt. And, <laughs> and the joke is, uh, the the train geek says, "Well, you should buy at least four yards." And she looks at him with disgust and says, "You bought another train today, didn't you?" <laughs> right. So there's a lot of jokes about hiding your purchases from your significant yeah. other. Yeah.
0: I see. I buy records, oh. so that's that's sort of my uh, my little obsession. And I and I can relate to that because I co- I go in. I'm gonna I'm just gonna look in the dollar bin. Yep. <laughs> I'm just gonna come home with two or three, and then suddenly there's a stack, and you know, so you sort of sneak them into the back room <laughs> while nobody's looking. So nobody. Yes, how much did you pay for all those records yep.
2: and the, the quilters are really big on that because obviously quilting is a hobby where you buy a little bit of this fabric, a little bit of that fabric and and you don't actually like you collect over time and then you put all these different things together. so you're sort of encouraged to hoard and collect, and people always use the justification like, oh, I'm going to use it later <laughs> or I'm going to put it in my stash but and all you do is just get bins and bins of supplies everywhere.
0: Now when did you start uh, knitting?
2: Knitting? Yeah. Oh, knitting and quilting? quilting? Oh, I, when I was a kid, I've been doing that since I was a kid. So, so I'm a long time enthusiast, but, uh, the strip just, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The strip just started this January. Right. And like I said, I've been wanting to do another strip. I, I really enjoyed working on BizTunes and I, I ran it for three or four years and it was in the, um, Worcester Magazine for three years and it was online for a while. And then I sort of just slowly stopped doing it and, um, but I've always had the urge to do something else. But I just wasn't feeling it. Like, well, what should it be about? What do I care enough about? What's funny enough? Mm-hmm. And then when I met this train guy, and we were just always realizing we were so much alike, even though ostensibly we appear different. So that really motivated the the new strip. So it started back in January. That's pretty new.
1: yeah. Yeah. I'm going to get into the technical aspect, being the cartoonist of of the group here. So can you talk about the materials you used to draw and if your materials have changed over the years, if you've done digital at all, or if you still go old school? Tell us a little bit about that. Okay.
2: Well, um, I'm a little embarrassed to say that (laughs) I'm still rocking it old school. And um, it's not for lack of wanting to upgrade, but right now I'm still doing, you know, drawing with pencil Tracing on with ink onto some tracing paper, scanning, and then coloride, colorizing it with the Corel Suite of products. I started out using Corel Draw in the '80s, and I've just every version I've just kept doing it. So I, I know that product inside and out. So that's why I use Corel Suite instead of the Adobe Suite. Although I mean they're pretty much similar. Um, but one thing that I've noticed is. I remember when I first, first, first started doing comics, way, way back when I was doing comics for my school newspaper and when I was in college, I had this super expensive scanner. It was like $1,500 for this scanner, and it was, you know, 300 dpi or something. Now I have this horrible $40 scanner from Staples, and it's so good that every little speck of dust shows up, every tiny spot. And so I'm actually looking to get rid of this and, and move totally to digital because I just can't stand... Cleaning up from the scans, like you do the best you can to get your your scanning bed as clean as possible, and you see these giant blobs on it from the little tiny specks of dust because it's scanning at like twelve hundred DPI.
1: So I made the jump about a year ago or so. I highly recommend it. I, I love going electronic, so we can talk offline about that.
2: Oh well, I'm very interested in in upgrading because I'm a software engineer by trade. That's my daytime job. And um so I'm I'm really into software and and doing things digitally if I can. So I'm ready to be done with the, all this hand stuff. And also I think um, in these days you want to in the old days when we were just working for the papers you just make sort of one copy of it whatever was going to be in the print. But now you want to make a print version, a web version. You want to make a greeting card version. You want to make uh, all different types of versions. So it would be good to have everything digital. So I'm I'm really in actively shopping for like a tablet and and trying to make a decision about what technology I want to use. So,
0: I think we're realizing that Dave could st- could become a uh, uh, traditional to digital consultant for cartoonists.
2: Oh, I'm I <laughs> want to pick your brain experience. because I don't really know what all the variables are. And I was reading all the product reviews on Amazon recently, and there's just so many things to consider. So.
1: I bore Pete when I get uh, into it with our guests about, you know, the software programs and the tools and everything. I just just type. (laughs) So
0: that's it. To me, it's a, you know, that's all I have to worry about.
2: Well, one thing that's kept me from making the change is that, you know, I've been drawing for a long time and I'm always thinking like, well, I don't want to learn how to draw all over again. And I I always feel like that's what it's going to be like. So it'll be interesting to see what the learning curve is like and... Is it really tantamount to starting all over again? Do you think it is?
1: In the very beginning, it's weird. It's like drawing on glass once you get comfortable with that. Uh, and you know, this may be sort of going outside the scope of the interview here. But um, so uh, there are different um, covers, like uh, screen protectors. I've been researching this, and some of them have more of a grit to them. And you can get mm-hmm. a screen protector with a little grit to make it more like paper. So I'm actually researching that to try to get more of that pen on paper feel because that's what the one thing i miss is the actual drag of the pencil or the pen with the with the uh the paper um grit i don't know what else you would call
2: it that makes sense so actually one of the things that's this is kind of funny one of the things that's motivating me to hurry up and make the change is actually my nine-year-old and he loves comics and he draws comics too and he's been drawing them on paper and i've been scanning them in and putting them up on his website and he's like Mom, you know, we need to get a tablet. And I was like, I can't believe my <laughs> nine year old is telling me that my technology is out of date and I need to upgrade. But,
0: oh, that's, if we <laughs> talk about consultants, that, yes. that's where we get all of our information, <laughs> isn't it? From our kids, basically.
2: So I, I got to hurry up before I start disappointing my son.
0: <laughs> I remember what I was going to ask you. Um, just looking back at the, the BizTune strip. I mean, it's such a different—you uh, know—that was about office life, right? right? And and you know the things that people can relate to, you know, going to work. And this is such about leisure life, you know, your mm-hmm. your current trip. It's such, you know. So I guess, which, um, you know, were they equally fruitful in terms of humorous opportunities? Or, or now are you like, wow, I have a lot more material talking about my leisure life than I did, you know, in the office?
2: Well, I'm not sure I'm not sure if I can quant. Comment on the, the quantity of material mm-hmm. or, or anything like that, because this is much newer than BizTunes is. I sure. did BizTunes for years. But I think the thing that's noticeably different to me is that the office humor is really cynical and, and kind of <laughs> bitter. You know, it's basically like, you know, work sucks and your <laughs> boss is an idiot and your coworkers are dumb and you just really don't want to be here. It's basically like surviving in this right. sort of negative environment. And in some ways, Extreme sarcasm is really fun, but it's also really negative. And I think the thing that's different about By the Yard is that it's really kind and it's really happy. And it's like the two protagonists are making fun of each other and there's funny ways, but, but in a kind-hearted, loving way. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a lot more positive. And I kind of like that. I mean, I think when I was younger, I liked the cynicism, especially I used to draw for the, uh, the MIT Journal of Humor called Voodoo Magazine. Mm-hmm. And it was very cynical. And I loved it back then. But now i think i'm I'm older, and i just I just want something a little kinder
0: and I think just not to get too deep into the state of the world <laughs> right now, but I feel like we could use that yes uh, I mean, we need some kinder, gentler humor, I think, a little bit in our lives these days. And I know you know we our strip our strip at beeves you know we'll occasionally do an office you know an office scene or or you know a, a work you know it sort of uh you know or go a little more negative, but I think the the family relationships are what we we enjoy doing because it is you're right. It's sort of at the end of the day, they're loving relationships, even if they get on each other's nerves. And, right. You know. Um,
2: and I think also the focus on the hobbies is something that um, is really popular culturally right now because there's been a real, um, you know. Uh, What am I trying to say? There's a lot of people that are selling their crafts online. There's a (laughs) website called Etsy. I'm sure you've heard of it. It's a crafting marketplace. And like a lot of craftspeople and artisans make a living online now. And and I think that there's just a lot bigger artistic community out there. It was probably always there, but usually you were toiling away in your studio and you never met anybody. You didn't really interact with them. But now all those artsy types are all online, like these Facebook groups that I mentioned. And they're all talking to each other and stuff. So I think it's a really big community of the – creative hobby type people. Right. So um, I think that's that's also what makes it a, a good strip because the, the audience is big. The audience is there. They're online a lot. The, the, the crafty people are really wired. Even the older ones, uh, you know, they're really into YouTube and Craftsy and Facebook and all those things.
0: No, I mean, it's made such a huge difference in all these sorts of communities and it's one thing we've actually talked with with a lot of the cartoonists we interview about how that's become this much more communal right. community than it ever than it ever was before. Because again, you were sitting like you didn't really talk to other cartoonists, you know, what they right. were, where they were, and what they were doing. Um, but it's great to just be able to to connect like that, and you know, to get the feedback from, you know, from your fans and from the people who are doing what you're doing, and from you know the uh, you know basically all you know the community that you're writing about. Too. So now did you, so you said you started, um, you know, you drew in college. Was this something you always just came naturally to you from when you were, when you were little? You always, oh, definitely. Drawing?
2: I was drawing ed- editorial cartoons about everything. When I think the earliest cartoon that I ever published was um, in, uh, I think it was like I was in the seventh grade, I think. And we had a newspaper a school newspaper in in junior high and a friend of mine would give me the jokes, but she wasn't good at drawing and she would give me the jokes (laughs) and I would draw them up. And they were so bad. They were really bad. There was one about a rogue houseplant that I remember the the joke was a family returning after a vacation and, and saying, um, Oh, I hope the plants were okay while we were away and the plants have like taken over the entire house and are are coming out every door and window. And I mean, it wasn't that funny, but I thought it was funny at the time.
0: That's a pretty good seventh grade yeah. joke, actually.
2: And then there was editorial humor. We lived in a, um, my, my high school was Milford High in, in Milford, uh, New Hampshire and it was on West Street. So we had a school newspaper called the West Street Journal, kind of a pun on the Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm. And there was some moronic policy about, how you could access the lunchroom, there was only one a certain door for going in, a certain door for going out. It made no sense. The school was very small, crowded and overcrowded. so you had to go way around to get to the lunchroom. and I thought this was so dumb. It was wasting half my lunch period. So I did an editorial cartoon about that. There was a joke about you know being herded like cattle and the and the the lunchroom guy who was really the gym teacher, I had him dressed up as a cowboy and he was lassoing <laughs> students who were going the wrong way. So that was my first editorial cartoon. And, uh, so I, I enjoyed making fun of authority and, and things like that. So, um, and of course at home, um, my dad was an endless source of humor, endless. <laughs> we, we were big sailors when we were kids. He had, a, he had built his own sailboat wow. and we sailed up and down the main coast in that, but he was kind of a goofball and, uh, he's really smart, you know, and he built the boat himself. And, uh, but he would do silly things. And so, and I was very bored being on this boat all the time, especially being a sailboat. Especially if you're be calmed, you're just sitting there. So I would draw editorial cartoons about my dad making fun of his navigation systems and or his navigation skills and jokes about what, what would happen if he found found buried treasure and, and it was a, a treasure chest full of sailing magazines instead of gold and things like that. So I have all the all these old cartoons from making fun of my parents. So,
0: yeah, I mean, that's um, it's a it's a running joke in our house that, you know, that's where most of our punchlines come from. And my kids have even gotten to the point where when when somebody says something halfway, halfway clever. They go, that's a strip. And <laughs> to, Dad, write that down. That's a strip. Um.
2: We do that now, too. Uh, my boyfriend is very funny. He's a southerner. And uh, so I'm a New Englander. So it's kind of funny juxtaposition. And and he's very funny, but like in a very dry sort of way. Mm-hmm. And when we first started dating, he would say something and it would just be ridiculous. And But I wasn't sure if it was a joke or not. So I would just sort of keep a straight face and go, okay. <laughs> and he was upping the ante all the time, seeing like how ridiculous could he make his claims before I would go, wait a minute, that is just not true. <laughs> And because you're, you know, you don't want to call someone out on something. What if it's true? Right. You don't want to make fun of them. Right. Who
0: knows what they're doing down there in the South? Yeah. Maybe that's for real.
2: So he's actually very, very funny. And and he's been another big motivator for some of the the humor, just doing things like the hillbilly way, you know, slow (laughs) and with the least amount of effort, things like that.
0: Now, um, you had mentioned the, the greeting cards earlier, you know, having mm-hmm. to come up with the different versions. So are you sort of branching out into, into that with this strip, you know, with the books, greeting cards, you know, the other Well, I of?
2: definitely think um, my first feature of BizTunes was a, was a strip, was a three-panel strip. And I like that format, but I've since then I've switched over to the single panel. I think that's really conducive to greeting cards. Mm-hmm. And um, and one of the things that's really interesting about the greeting card industry is is people were bemoaning that... Uh, d- the digital age was going to kill it. Remember when like, Blue Mountain Arts was popular yep. and, and the e-card first came out? But actually, in retrospect, what's really happened is the, the digital age has actually increased the greeting card business because now the number of people that you consider yourself friends with has grown because of social media. But, but giving somebody an e-card has now been... Become tacky, right. so actually, the whole electronic communications has bolstered how many greeting cards people actually send.
0: Right, and right, and a paper greeting card is like is very special now. Yeah, uh, and they're also not not so much, I think, the sort of the cartoon based ones, but I know, like, when I'll go to buy my wife a birthday card, they're like eight ninety five now <laughs> for a whole card. They come encased in plastic so that you know you don't hurt the delicate little butterflies and the glitter it's like, you know, and then I look back at the back, you know, eight ninety five 95 for the card. It's like, you know, even your gift was only twelve fifty. Why am I sending? No, I'm just kidding. I spent more than that.
2: <laughs> so I'm definitely working on the greeting cards because the, I think the panel format works well with them. And um, just making funny jokes about very specific things, too, like about people's obsessive hobbies. That's a whole niche in and of itself because – because now anybody can make greeting cards and because of the communication that you get through being all connected online, there's cards for every wacky thing that you can think of and really specific humor. Mm-hmm. So um, so I'm definitely working on that. And uh, I'd really love to put together another book project. I think, um, you know, I might wait a little bit longer to do that because I want to get more material going and, and yeah. build up my readership and things like that. But again, uh, there's so many... Um, facilities out there now that enable people to self-publish and print their own books very economically. So uh, I'm going to try to give that a go.
0: Yeah, it's a, we we were just talking about that sort of before you came in about the the opportunities that are there now that that never were before. That you really you had to find that publisher that was willing to invest in you, and it's just not the case anymore. Not anymore. I, now yeah. we have
2: Kickstarter, and I'm I'm really interested in entrepreneurship because. I mean, how can you not be? It's just so exciting. So I'm I'm very interested in doing a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo, one of those platforms, to you know put out your own book and just forget about traditional publishing. Nobody cares about that anymore.
0: Well, and you know, I what well, because why give you know a publisher X amount, you know, if you could do it if you could do it yourself, right. you know. And, and sadly, I, I from what I hear from authors um, who who are with. Publishers, unless you are one, you know, end up with a major publisher and are one of the big authors, they're not even really doing the marketing for you anymore. Authors are, are marketing their own exactly. books, whether it's self published or published by somebody else. So,
2: well, that's my thought process. And I've done a lot of research about this when I did the BizTunes book, which was self published. I did that in 2004. And um, even very, very famous people like Stephen King, the, what they get per copy as a percentage of the, the retail cover price of the book is fairly small. So certainly someone like myself you're going to get almost nothing. Mm-hmm. And and like you said, these days you're expected to do a lot of marketing yourself. So if I'm doing all the marketing myself, why do I want to give all the money to you? <laughs> so, I mean, that's a little grizzled and but I think that I think the way the model has changed is that a lot of people initially self-publish and then they get some a fan base and they get some popularity and then they can approach a more traditional publisher and it's a much more beneficial relationship then. Right. So once you get started and shown some proof of concept and show that you do have a readership, then I've seen a lot of people start out independent and then pick up a real publisher later. Mm-hmm. And that's been very successful for them. Right. So I don't know how that's going to work out. But I just love the fact that we now have the opportunity through through Amazon and through other channels to basically get your work out to anybody who wants to buy it.
0: Right. And I think, and if you really enjoy doing it, which you clearly do, and you're doing, you're doing it on a subject that you clearly enjoy, that's sort of 90% of <laughs> it right, right exactly. there. You just, you know, and I, I know for us, that's we talk about. You know, we, we would love it if a million people were seeing, <laughs> seeing the strip, you know, every time we did one. But it's just great to have that outlet and to get the feedback that you, that you do get, you know, even if it's just from. We, our, our running joke is the first um, four people to like our strip, every strip we post are our parents still <laughs> to this day. Um, and then other people sort of sort of weigh in. But it's nice to have that, you know, devoted fan base.
2: Well, it's really fun to meet people online, too. Uh, I have a lot of friends now that I've never met in real life. Mm-hmm. They're, they live all over the place. You meet them online through your comic strip. And I also have a, a side business, too, of publishing sewing patterns. I've met people through that. People I've never seen in real life, but I've known for a decade now. And, you know you consider them one of your best friends right, you've never right. seen them in real life
0: it, it's sort of a you know like the old fashioned pen pal of, of years exactly. ago you know that you would never meet and uh, it sort of come, come around full circle where you have this, this group of people that be right if you ever met them in real life
1: it would be this momentous thing because <laughs> you feel like you know them. That, that always reminds me of that New Yorker cartoon where you know on the internet no one knows you're a dog. Right <laughs> right exactly that, one.
2: that was one of my favorites <laughs>
1: So I'm gonna shift gears a little bit. Another topic I always want to ask people about when they come in for an interview, or who are your influencer? What strips or panels do you like to read or follow either historically or current ones?
2: Well, I have to say my favorite panel is one that you guys know and love, which is off the mark. I love <laughs> off the mark. And I always I uh, I always rehash the story. So sorry for rehashing the same sad story again, but I've loved that strip ever since when he um, Mark first started out. I was living in Somerville and I think he was living in the city somewhere too and he had his paper in his strip in some Somerville paper and I remember he was doing um a, a game show bit and his bit is he, he has inanimate objects are doing funny things. He has like this observational humor about inanimate objects. Yeah. And it was a game show similar to that what's my line or whatever and there's like a divider and, and you can't see the guest behind the panel and the and the and the um, contestant is saying He's asking him questions about their occupation. He goes, "Let me see. Do you stick your head in a toilet?" (laughs) And behind the screen, there's a little plunger that goes, "Yes, I do." (laughs) And that was one of my favorite strips. I've I've loved that comic strip ever since then. And of course, all the cat jokes he does are very funny. So I really I really love Off the Mark as a panel. And in terms of the the strips that I've liked, um, I think it's pretty obvious from my style. Even people on Reddit today pick up on this. That they go, "You must be a Garfield fan," because they say my feature looks like Dick Garfield.
0: Uh, I see it and, in the eyes a little bit. the yeah, character's eyes. It has
2: the big buggy eyes, and the Jen character, Jen, the Jenny character, is always wearing a turtleneck. I remember, John always wore a turtleneck, <laughs> and I, I, don't think that's an accident. I loved Garfield when I was younger. It was one of my first uh, comic books that I ever bought was Garfield. So those, those are my two favorites, really. And in terms of other modern stuff uh garfield's not that modern but i still like it um a, 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 another panel that i recently started enjoying which is funny all day long is foul language the there's a duck family and that thing is that is my family bang on <laughs> that little obnoxious <laughs> little boy duck that's my son that's
0: funny that is a funny one <laughs>
2: and the dad is so exasperated with parenting I, I find it so refreshing because online there's all this happy family stuff, you know, about these beautiful families with beautiful Facebook pictures and they're going to the beach and look at how beautiful the children are and having (laughs) such a wonderful day. But foul language isn't afraid to say, you know what? Being a parent is really hard. (laughs) And sometimes you just want to strangle your kid. (laughs) Even my son loves foul language and it's not very complimentary towards children sometimes.
0: No, no, but they can probably see themselves at the end of the day.
2: So I think he's doing a great job with that one. And I've purchased a couple of his books and, uh, and the other one that my son and I are enjoying a lot lately is um The Awkward Yeti, the sort of spin off of The Awkward Yeti Heart and Brain. We love Heart oh, and Brain. Oh yeah.
0: That's a fun one. Heart and Brain, Brain is hilarious
2: one. because I feel like Heart and Brain is me, you know, because by day I'm a software development manager so that's pretty brain-sided, but I'm like heart in that I'm scatterbrained and creative and I want to stay in bed all day and things <laughs> like that. So I think a lot of people really relate to heart and brain because of that. And he makes a lot of great jokes about work and, mm-hmm. and uh, things like that. And uh, very creative and fun.
0: Excellent. We need to wrap it up in a minute or two. So I want to make sure you have the opportunity to tell people where to find you and where to find uh, By the Yard. What's the easiest way to, to go about? Um, well, um,
2: the easiest way to find it is uh, bytheyardcomics.com. And um, that's just the the website for the strip, but it's also on Facebook uh, at uh, uh, facebook.com slash comics. Everything has the word comics on the end because by the yard is obviously usually a fabric store or something. <laughs> right. so we have the
0: same th- problem with pet peeves. Yeah, so you guys had to do <laughs> petpeevecomics.com.
2: Yeah. So those are the two main places. And uh, one of the things that's really fun about Facebook is I've noticed that you know, I share my comic as much as I can and I've noticed that other people are like sharing it on my feed. Like people that don't know that it's me. And oh, I'm that's doing hilarious. It. And, and they'll share something with me that I wrote and, and you're like, Hey, well yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> 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 so those are the two best places. And um haven't really kicked off the book project yet, but I'll probably be doing that in the fall time frame. Excellent. And I have a newsletter if people would like to keep um tabs of what's going on, you go to the website and there's a little button for join the newsletter and um, a lot of people have joined that, so we've got a little following going there.
0: Excellent. That's great. Well, thank you, Jen Lopez, so much for coming in. We just love talking about this stuff, and, and I would encourage everybody to to look this up. When no matter what your hobby is, you will relate to what's going on in, in by the yard. Um, so thank you again for well, coming in. thank you in.
2: so much for having me. It's really great to talk to you guys. I've been enjoying your podcast, and it's really fun to be part of it now. Oh, Thanks. Oh, thank
0: you so much. Okay, we'll be right back when we'll close things up. Well, that brings us to the end of another Strip Search with London and Chianka. Thank you so much for tuning in, and thank you to our guest, Jen Lopez. Remember to check us out at petpeevscomic.com podcast, where you can find all of our podcasts that we've done up to this point, and future podcasts as we do them. How's that for service? And make sure to tune in next month, and we'll have another new guest here on the Strip Search podcast. See you then, everybody.